and his wonderful works to the children of men. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. God is good all the time. Now, you know, it's been mentioned already. Some said to me before I got in here, and it's been mentioned by a couple, about you going to sleep. Well, don't worry about that because I'm on, I always listen. When people, when I, there's something that you need to know. As a preacher, I, I got good eye contact. I've always had good eye contact. You can, I mean, just the slightest movement, my eye, pick it up, you know, pick it up. And so when I was a young preacher, uh, just a year or so ago, when I was a young preacher at Arab, Alabama, I had just arrived there and I told the congregation, I said, I see everything's going on. I said, I said, don't worry. If you go to sleep, I said, you know, here's how it starts. I'm looking, and I'll pick up on this. And I'll see that head do that, and I go, oh, one's going to sleep on me. And it, but it progresses. As a person gets sleepier, it goes like this. It starts like this. And then they go, they go a little further forward. They go. And then a little further forward. And then when you really are losing them, when you're really losing a person, they go, and then the head goes. It'll go off to the one or the side or the other. Like this. But you know you've lost them when you see them go like this. <laughs> it's all over. I was, telling, I was telling I said, so I won't let you go to sleep. I said, what I do is I, when I see somebody going to sleep, it's a challenge to me. So I just really, you know, do things to keep you awake. You know, I mean, there's things that you can do. So uh, this sister, when I said that, after I got through that day, she was uh, Sister Wilson, elderly lady. She said, Brother DeMar, can I talk to you? And I said, yeah, yeah. She said, I said, what is it, Sister Wilson? She said, well, she said, Brother DeMar, I take uh, high blood pressure medicine, blood pressure medicine. She said, and she said, when I take these, that blood pressure, she said, I can't help it. She said, I sit down, I just go to sleep. I said, oh, Sister Wilson, I said, don't worry. I said, that's no problem. She smiled. She said, really? I said, look, if you go to sleep, I said, I'll just come around there and I'll just come out there like this. I said, Sister Wilson, wake up. She said, oh. She said, Brother DeMar, would you do that to me? I said, no, I'm just teasing you. <laughs> and so I, I'll, I'll try to keep you awake. I'll watch, I'll watch for you. You know, um, one of the things that, um, uh, you, you know, when it comes to this uh, thing about sleeping is that uh, I, I saw this, this, this guy... Uh, he always he always uh, would would nod like that. I was, I was telling you, and and, and and you know he said, Demar. He said just about the time I'm getting good asleep, he said you'll you'll do some something. And he said I come that high up off my off my pew. But I hope I hope we'll not have anybody go to sleep on us today. I want to call your attention to First Thessalonians two and verse four. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men but God who tests our hearts. Isn't it amazing? I, you know, you need to really look at this text very carefully. Our subject today is, Into our hands the gospel is given for a troubled world. God, this text says, God approves us. And then He entrusts us, or he, we're entrusted with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, it, it, it amazes me that God has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 at verse 19. Just think about that for a moment. That, that amazes me. Uh, you know, when I go into these countries, sometimes when I get up to speak, I go, hey, hey, and they go, and, and I say, listen, I'm a good news preacher. 
I said, I'm, I've got a message of reconciliation. You can be reconciled to God today. You can have your sins washed away in the blood of the Lamb. That's good news. But it amazes me that God has empowered us. He's entrusted you and He's entrusted me with the gospel message of reconciliation. Have you ever had something that you needed to do and you were going to need some assistance in doing that and so you decide, I've got to get somebody that I can believe in. I've got to get somebody I can trust. Uh, Not only that I can trust, but somebody that will do a good job and carry through. And so you finally decide on him or her, whatever the case may be, and you say to them, listen, I'm entrusting you uh, to help me. Uh, This is exactly what God did. God, it says that God approved us. See, as Christians, we've been approved and entrusted with the gospel message. Now, what does that mean? It means that that God believes in you. God believes in me. Wow. Wow. God believes in us. And that is amazing. You know, God could have used many different uh, means of getting His message out to the world, but He used the means of His children. He entrusted us. Now, the question is this. How are we doing with this trust that He's put in us. He entrusted us. Are we faithful stewards with that assignment that He's given us? Um, The gospel message, He's been entrusted into our hands. Near the end of His ministry, Jesus commissioned His children to teach the gospel to all the world. In Matthew 28, 18-20, He said, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, God wants us, His children, to share this message of reconciliation. Uh, God includes all of us as Christians. Uh, This is not just something for missionary, not just something for the preacher, but God has entrusted all of His children. God has given a commission For us, uh, it's personal. And you know, we'll never really do well in carrying out that commission as long as we don't feel it's personal. You've got to feel that it's personal. Jesus, in giving this commission, uh, listen, it was given to you. Yes, you. And it was given to me. We will never do well in carrying the message to the lost until it becomes personal. You've got to feel that it's personal in your life. You know, I was not reared in the church. I obeyed the gospel when I was a senior in high school. And uh, after I obeyed the gospel, I would study young people. I would study, I would start into the study late at night, but then I would go into the early morning hours in my room studying the Bible. I can remember my dad, he said, one night, he said, boy, and he said, are you still up? And I said, yes, sir. He said, he was talking from his bed in his room. He said, boy, he said, what are you doing? 
I said, I'm reading the Bible. He said, boy, he said, you get to bed, you get to sleep. I said, yes, sir. You know, I grew up thinking that, I almost, almost grew up thinking my name was boy. <laughs> Daddy always referred to me to say, boy, boy. And poor old John, I, lots of times I'll say boy to John. That's from my dad. But you know, uh, here's what happened to me. When I obeyed the gospel, I would begin to read the Bible. And I would read over here, and then I would read over there. But let me tell you, time and time and time again, I would find myself coming back to Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Mark 16, 15 and 16. It says in that text, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Man, as a young Christian, I looked at it and I said, That means me. I said, God is talking to me. And then I would read over here and I would read over there. Listen, for 53 years of ministry and missionary service, the Matthew 28, 18 to 20, Mark 16, 15, 16, Acts 1, verses 8 and 9, those scriptures have eaten me up. And I stand before you today and I tell you, they still are eating me up. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You see, God has empowered us. He has entrusted us with carrying His message to a lost and to a dying world. I knew early on that when God said, Go ye, that He meant go me. We have been entrusted as His followers with the gospel message. You think about that. It really is amazing. God could have chosen so many ways, so many ways to get the message out there to a lost and dying world. But He chose to send His children with that message. He entrusted us. The last thing my Lord, your Lord, said before He ascended back to His Father in heaven, the last thing He told us to do was go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now why? Because people are lost. Now, I want to ask you this question. Do we in the churches of Christ, do we, do we really believe that there is a heaven do we really believe there is a heaven, the home of the soul? Do we really believe that there is a hell? If we, some people say, don't, don't, don't say yes too quickly. See, if I were to say to you, raise your hand if you believe there's a heaven and hell. Probably everybody here, you know, don't raise it too quickly. Because you see, if we really believe that, then we're going to share this message with others. Why? We want them to go to heaven. Why? We don't want them to go to hell. And so we will share that message with as many as we possibly can. God has approved you and He has entrusted you. What does that mean? Brother, it means God's counting on you. <laughs> He's counting on me. And there's no room for doubt. We live in a troubled world today. And the message this old world needs 
is a message of redemption and salvation through Jesus Christ. God has given us the opportunity, and we need to be excited about that assignment. We're living in exciting times. We're living in time in a time that there's great opportunity to share the message of Jesus Christ with others. Ours is a troubled world. Ours is a world that's filled with many problems. Problems that could be alleviated if we would only preach this message of redemption. The mission of the church is to evangelize the church in our day. I'm reminded, I'm reminded of a preacher, and he had this habit. When he would come to the pulpit to preach, it was just something he did. He would lean out across and he would say, Why are we here? He never started a sermon without leaning out there and saying, Why are we here? Well, he was asked to speak at an insane asylum, an institution for the mentally ill. And he went there, and, and, and they were in, he thought he was going to be really introduced. And when he got there, he was really surprised. He thought there would just be two or three. Oh, man, there was a whole auditorium like this full of people. So he's sitting there, and he thought he was going to be introduced. The guy just said, come speak to us. And boy, just caught him off guard. So he went up there, and out of sheer habit, he leaned out there, and he said, why are we here? Well, one of the patients, one of the inmates, stood up and raised his hand. He said, I don't know why you're here. He said, but we're all here because we're not all there. <laughs> why are we here? That's, that's a good question, isn't it? Why are we here? We are here to fulfill this stewardship that God has given to us. Matthew 28 18 through 20, he commissions us. Now, some have taken that as something that they can do or choose to do or not to do. But you know, when you think about the Great Commission, <clears throat> it's not optional. <clears throat> it's something that's commanded that we do. When Jesus said, go ye, I want to just ask you right over here. Don't, I don't have to... Raise your hand or say anything. But do you think he meant it? Yeah, I see, I see you nodding your head. You think he meant it? Go ye! Jesus meant that. I'm reminded of the man whose neighbor came over to visit him. He looked at his, front, this, his neighbor's front door. There were two holes cut in the door. He said, John, he said, I've been looking at your front door. He said, why have you got two holes in that door? John said, well, he said, man, I got two cats. He said, John, John. He said, you didn't need two holes in that door. He said, you could have cut one. They both could have used the same hole. He said, look, man, when my wife says scat, she means it. And I tell you, when Jesus Christ said, go ye, he meant it. We have a serious responsibility that's been placed upon us. This task means that in our times, our task that we have as Christians, and we're getting away from that. We're getting away from that in the church. Our task in these times is evangelism. Is evangelism. Saving the lost. That is the 
mission of the church. John 17, 18, As thou hast, Jesus said, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. Christ came to this earth with a purpose. He left heaven with a mission. And that mission, He came with a message of redemption. Jesus came to this earth so that men and women, boys and girls, could be saved. Matthew 1, 21, She shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Why did Jesus come to this earth? To save people from their sins. Luke 19 and verse 10, He says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Jesus came to this earth to seek and to save those that were lost. I tell you, he had a purpose. He had a plan. And that was to reach the lost. Paul told us in Philippians 2 and verse 5 that we're to have the mind of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. If we have the mind of Christ, <clears throat> if, if we have the mind of Christ, it will be riveted upon reaching the lost. You look at Jesus and His life. What was He all about? Jesus was driven. We must be driven. Do others look at you as an individual who says he or she is driven? Jesus was driven to save those that were lost. Jesus had a purpose. Jesus had a mission. Jesus had a dream. And you know, we as His children need to catch hold of that dream. Jesus had a dream for lost humanity. Our mind needs to be like the mind of Christ, but where is your mind today? Where's the mind of the church today? Is it where it ought to be? Some cases, yes. Some cases, no. Where's the mind of the individual Christian today? Sometimes it's in the right place. At other times, perhaps it's not. We need to think about time. Time is of the essence. Time is literally speeding past each one of us. Some of us that are older, uh, talk about slowing up, slow up. We're slowing up. No, no, no. Time doesn't slow up on us. It speeds up. I mean, you know, you start out at Happy New Year. And the first thing you know, you say, Merry Christmas. You can't believe it. What happened to the year? Time is swiftly passing by. There is a verse of a song entitled, Into Our Hands the Gospel is Given. Sometimes it is entitled, Swiftly We're Turning uh, Life's Pages. It goes like this. Swiftly We're Turning Life's page, Daily Pages. Swiftly the hours are changing to years. How are we using God's golden moments? Shall we reap glory? Shall we reap tears? Brothers and sisters, while we hesitate, while we deliberate, men, women, boys, and girls are being swept out into eternity unprepared 
to meet God. Eddie will probably remember well some of the first things I said many years ago when I came to this congregation was the fact that there is an urgency about what we do. Why? Because life is swiftly passing by. People are dying without God and without Christ and without hope in this world. Back in the early 1990s, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> when we were go- first going into Russia, we went in as soon as they opened the door. And I remember in one of the exiled cities up in northern Russia, we went into this village, a small village. And a small village in Russia would be a large, pretty large population. Their cities are massive. Their villages, you'd say a small village, but it's really quite a population there. But we went there and we were studying with a babushka. This is an elderly woman. They call them babushka in the, in the uh, Russian. Ruski, Ruski. Um, and so we were studying with her. She was 91 years old. And we were sitting there talking to her, and she was using the language of the New Testament. I looked at the interpreter. I was amazed. The interpreter said, do you, do you understand the language she's using is, is New Testament? I said, oh, yes. Yes. I said, that's That's amazing. She went on to tell us, she said, I have had a Bible all these years. I have, it, I, I have a hiding place in my home. Because if they catch me with this Bible, I would have been put to death or in prison for having the Bible. And she said, I have been studying. She said, but I hide my Bible after I study. And she used the language of the New Testament. She talked about elders and deacons and the body of Christ and, and other things that you... She showed she was well-versed in the Scriptures. She was well-versed in truth. And I will never forget what this woman said to us. She asked us a question. She said, I want to ask you a question. And I said, yes, ma'am. She's a little tiny lady, 91 years old. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, why have you waited so long to come baptize me into Christ? I want to tell you something. I got all choked up. Tears came in my eyes. I asked the interpreter, I said, listen, please tell her that we came as soon as the Russian government would allow us to come in, and we did. We went in immediately. I want to tell you something. We reached that 91-year-old, listen to me, just in time. Her life was running out at a rapid pace, 91 years of age. Thank God we got there with the message she needed to hear, the message of reconciliation. We baptized her into Christ. She was washed, sanctified, justified before God through Christ. Now I want to ask you this. How many more just like her are waiting for God's children, us, who have been entrusted with the gospel, who've been approved and entrusted with the gospel. And they're just waiting for us to come and to baptize them into Christ. You know, I've done mission work, been preaching for 53 years. 
God's blessed me. I've preached the gospel in 42 countries of the world. And you know, there have been times when we baptized somebody into Christ. When we baptized them, they looked healthy. They looked well. They looked, there was no complaints. They had no sickness that anybody knew of. But within a, a week or two weeks or a month, there's been different, over the, different ones over the years. They're dead and in the grave. Who would have thought it? Thank God. We got there with the message in time for them. I'm trying to tell you it's urgent what we do. It's urgent what we do. It's urgent what we do. Because time is going tick, tick, tick. And with some it's going tick, 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 tick. Time is running out, swiftly passing. It's urgent that we preach and preach and teach. God has chosen through preaching and teaching His Word, His children. That's the way. That's the means. It's through the foolishness of, yes, preaching, that men are saved. You know, we live in America. People are wanting less and less preaching. Have you ever noticed that? They, they want less and less, and yet the Bible says it's through the foolishness of preaching that men are saved. They say, well, Demar, you're a preacher. That's a, you, you, naturally, you'd think that way. But God has chosen that through preaching, men and women will be saved. They need to hear the truth. Life is swiftly passing. Swiftly, we're turning life's daily pages Swiftly the hours are changing to years. How are we using God's golden moments? Shall we reap glory? Shall we reap tears? While we hesitate, while we deliberate, and this was what I was about to say a while ago, Eddie, we cannot wait. I told the elders years ago when I came here, I said this opportunity in Russia is going to soon not be what it is today. I said the harvest is coming in. It's incredible. It was like going up under a fruit tree that's ready for harvest and just shaking the limbs and the fruit was just falling into our basket, the gospel basket. We were just baptizing, baptizing, baptizing people into Christ. I told the elders back then, and it's true. I said the time will pass. This won't always be, and that's I met with Boris Yeltsin, president of Russia, and he said, this is what we need in Russia. I told him all about the Church of Christ and what we were doing. We need this in Russia. Da, da, big guy. That, that broad across there, tall, big man. And then we had free access, free access. Free. But then Putin was elected president. Man, he everything went backwards. Now in Russia, because of Putin, you can't go and preach and teach like we were doing in those days. That golden moment, that golden harvest time is over. Unless God sees fit to open that door again to us. He shut it basically down. You can get put in prison for doing this or doing that. You can go to jail for preaching in the wrong place in Russia today. It wasn't that way in 1990. We need to preach and reach those that have good, honest, and sincere hearts. The world is a troubled world. We are living in a world that 
is dangerous, it's evil, and sometimes it's very violent. Somebody said, oh, DeMar, don't, don't go negative now. Don't, don't get on the negative. You know why we don't want to be negative? We want to be truthful. The bottom line is this. We live in a world that's evil. We live in a world that's wicked. And as I said, often violent. Just ask them in Tennessee. Just ask them down in Texas, the congregations where they came in and shot people all dead. We live in an evil time. We've got a message that will change that. We've got a message that will change that kind of heart. We've got to believe in that message. And we've got to preach that message. I would not preach the gospel if I didn't think it changed people. Listen, there's power in this word. It'll make an adulteress, a woman that's given to, to adultery, it can cause her to be pure and holy. I remember a woman down in Guyana. When we taught her, she said, I'm a prostitute. She said, I sell my body for money. And I said, you've got to stop that. You've got these little children. God doesn't want you doing that. You can't go to heaven doing that. I said, listen to this. And I taught her. We baptized her into Christ. One of the things she said to me was this. She said, Brother DeMar, she said, I want you to know, I will never, ever again sell my body for money. I will never do this. If I starve to death, I will not do it. And I told her, I said, you're not going to starve to death, sister. I said, you're in Christ now. You're going to start getting blessings. Many years later, I saw her. And she said, Brother DeMar, she said, you were so right. She said, I've been true to Christ. And he just keeps on blessing me. My life and my children, everything has gotten better since I stopped being a prostitute. I want you to realize that we need to be motivated, we need to be inspired, but then we need to be activated to get out and to do the work of the Lord. We've got to be faithful to this. In, God has entrusted us. We've got a stewardship. And, you know, I want you to envision an imaginary scene. Jesus has just returned to heaven. And an angel meets him there and said, Lord, Lord, tell us all about your plans for reaching lost humanity. He said, well, I handpicked 12 men. I trained them for three years, and I commissioned them to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They are to win souls. Those souls in turn are to win souls. They in turn are to win souls until the job is done. The angel said, but Lord, Lord, what if they don't go? Jesus said, I have no other plan. You see, we, yes, we, are God's plan for reaching lost humanity. And if we don't go, that job will not be done. Brethren, we must be faithful to that which has been entrusted to us. We must be faithful to do what Jesus Christ wants us to do. We need more foot soldiers. We need people like the Apostle Paul who will be trailblazers. We need individuals to stand up and say, I'm going to give financially. I can't go physically. I can't do it. But I've got funding. I've got money. I'll put my money there. Somebody says, I don't have any money. I can't do that. But I can put my prayers there. You see, we can all play a part in this. There's power in prayer. The gospel can't be preached without funding. That's why missionaries... Listen, when I come to Midway 
And I come here and I say, well, we don't have any needs whatsoever. <laughs> you can just say, oh, Brother Demar, he stopped working. It takes funding. It takes people to go. Some of you that are younger here, you need to get up and you need to go into these countries and preach and teach. Somebody say, yeah, but it's dangerous. Yes, it is. But God will be with you and God will bless you. These song leaders today, I've just been inspired. Boy, they're young and boy, they're leading the singing. I'm thinking in my mind, oh, I hope they preach the gospel too. They're talented, they've got the abilities. Some of us are getting old. Oh, excuse me, Dixie would have us say older. <laughs> Not old, but older. Uh, and, and, and we are. And some of our young people are going to have to come along and take that. What, you got, what I'm saying to the Midway Church of Christ is this, and I think you do. I think you have. We've got to catch hold of the dream of God. God had a dream. God has a vision. God has a goal for humanity. We need to get in there in our minds and our hearts and catch hold of the dream, catch hold of the goal, catch hold of the, the vision that God has. We need to have a vision of a lost world dying in sin that needs to be rescued with a message of salvation and hope. There is an urgency in what we're doing. Now, over the years, you've heard me say this many times when I come in here. This is something that I, I hope you remember that I've said because it's a big part of, of, of what motivates and drives me. Error, it's been said that error, error circles the earth while truth puts her boots on. Error circles the earth while truth is putting her boots on. We've got to get our boots on. Not just boots. We've got to get our work boots on. And go to W-O-R-K. We've got to work while it's day. The night is coming when no man can work. Sometimes I hear an older person in the church say, Well, I did it when I was younger. Now I'm turning it over to the young people. Don't you do that. Hey, listen. The race is not over till you finish the course. You've got to go and break the sash or you've got to cross the finish line. You've got to keep on keeping on until the good Lord calls you home. Sometimes people have asked me a lot lately, well, when are you going to retire? I just smile. Dixie knows retirement. Retirement? Retire? If I were to retire, what would I do? Well, I believe I'd do exactly what I'm doing. I'd want to retire and do what I'm doing. I don't plan to retire until the good Lord calls me home. He may call me home today. I don't know. But I want to go to the end. I want to finish my course. Paul said, I, I fought a good fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me on that day, not to me only, but all them that love is appearing in his kingdom. So I want to say to those of you that are older here, don't you, turn the, don't you turn the work that you've been doing over to the young people. Just encourage them to do their own work. They've got more energy and they've got more time maybe and they've got more, a lot of things that we might not have any longer that we're older. But keep on keeping on. Don't give up. I've got to close. John 15, 6, Jesus said, For this end I have called you and ordained you, that you should go forth and bear fruit. Listen to Proverbs eleven thirty: The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is wise. 
Listen to Psalms 126 at verse 6. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seeds, shall doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. We need to realize, as I mentioned a moment ago, we're living in a troubled world, and yet God is opening doors of opportunity. Listen, Demar Elam, Mark, he doesn't open doors. I don't open doors. No gospel preacher opens doors. God's the door opener. Revelation 3 and 8 said there was a door that God opened and no man could shut. God is opening doors of opportunity in our world today. And sometimes when sin is rampant, sometimes when things are evil, sometimes when things aren't going, that's when the gospel can have its greatest impact because it shows people a better way. Let's show people the better way. Let's go to people who have their minds and their hearts that are receptive. They're seeking, they're asking, they're searching. The Bible says, seeking you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened. People are seeking and they're knocking and they're asking. And we have the message that they need to hear. I really have cut out two major points in this lesson because of time. But I'm going to close today by saying this. I hope and pray that this message will stay with you. That you won't forget it by the time you get to the car. I hope as you drive home today you'll say, Yeah, that's amazing. You see, what I'm saying is, I don't have a ministry. Mark doesn't have a ministry. God has a ministry. And He allows me, as unworthy as I am, to participate in His ministry of reaching the lost. Our role as Christians is participatory. And that amazes me. That really amazes me. That God lets us, so unworthy, participate in the greatest work on this earth. That little woman, 91 years old, why have you waited so long to come and baptize me? Uh, if that lady went on and lived like I think she did until the day she died, and I, I assume she's dead by now, maybe not. But if she continues on from that, I, 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 I'll, I'll tell you this. <laughs> she will be able to enjoy heaven because some of God's children came in and gave her that message of reconciliation. I hope and pray that you will not say, that's up to you missionaries, that's up to you preachers, that's up to the elders, that's up to the deacons. I hope you'll go say, I hope you'll leave here today and say, you know, Brother Demar was right. Go ye means go me. And you cannot, I can't, listen, son, I can't hand that off. That, that, that uh, entrustment, that, that what God has commissioned me to do, I can't hand it off to you. Say, so you go ahead, you handle it for me now. You take good, good care, I'm going to back you, God bless you. I'm, you know, I'm, no, 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 no. I've got to do that myself. And you've got the same responsibility, all of you. Uh, every person in here. So let's rise up. And let's carry out this great commission. Let's, let's realize God has entrusted us because He believes in us. God believes in you. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we hope and pray you'll become one. I hope this lesson, though it may not have been designed particularly to, get, to reach you as, as a non-Christian, I hope you'll think, well, you know, I've got to get in Christ. 
I've got to obey that commission myself. I've got to be reconciled to God. You're reconciled to God when you're baptized into Christ. Raised to walk in newness of life. Born again, born of the water and of the Spirit. If you're here and you're a member of the church, and you haven't been running the race, you tried to hand it off to the younger people, or you tried to hand it off to somebody, you younger people might have the tendency to say, well, we got it. we're not ready yet, we're too young. We're too young. Oh, no. If you're a member of the church, if you've obeyed the gospel, that Jesus is talking to you. He's, he has approved you, and He has entrusted you. And you've got a responsibility as a young Christian to carry out that commission. But if there's somebody in here that's not been doing that, that would like to come and say, God, please forgive me. Please forgive me of my sins. Allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse me. I'm going to try to do better. Will you do it while we stand and while we sing? Boy. be 